There we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Roundup show. But it's not just going to be about Welsh rugby this week. We have a brand new season of Pro 14 Rugby. We've had the first weekend, which we will delve into just in a second. But as you can see, live on the screen right now, we have four fantastic guests joining us. And we've got someone to cover each nation, which is fantastic to see. And I'm just going to introduce them now quickly. First of all, we've got Rian once again back. She is the co-host of the show, was on the last show with us. She is the co-founder of Rugby Chat and Banter. And arguably is one of the biggest Welsh rugby fans out there, apart from myself, I'd like to think. Um, but Rian, welcome once again. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. It's been um, a long, long time since the last show, our first show. Um, things have got in the way. Uh, with, at least it's rugby now, isn't it? You know, it's um, uh, it's been a hard old slog since March and lockdown. And um, but at least, uh, although I'm in lockdown down here at the moment um, in Caffilly area, uh, at least there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel now, and we've got games to watch. Exactly. And we will get into those games, but it's so good to have rugby back. Our next guest is Stephen Murphy. Stephen runs a sport podcast out of Galway called the Master of None podcast. The podcast covers rugby, basketball and American football, but all kinds of sport as well. The podcast focuses on having a bit of crack. I think I said that right. Correct. <laughs> yeah. And also ranting about Irish rugby. And of course, when they'll fall out of the World Cup in the quarterfinal stage sometimes against Wales. Stephen, welcome <laughs> to the show. How are you doing? Thanks. I'm very good. Thank you for uh, thanks for having me. Just want to clarify, the crack I'm talking about is the legal kind, not the stuff that the guard, or sorry, the guards, the cops, whatever you want to call them, will be on to you. So, uh, no, thanks for having me as always. Uh, love chatting about rugby, so should be a bit of fun. I, I'm definitely thinking of the legal stuff. Definitely, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Our next guest then is all the way from the mighty Scotland. John Anderson joins us. He's one of the talking heads from the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast, regularly popping up on screens in order to offer his lighthearted and accessible views on the game. John, welcome. Fantastic to have you on. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, it's good to be on. Looking forward to this. Um, a wee review of the, the games this weekend. It's good to have rugby back. Absolutely. It's fantastic to have it back. It feels like it's been a while. But we have rugby back. And finally, and certainly not least, we have a very special guest on. Well, they're all special guests, of course. But Andrea is on from Italy. He's an active rugby amateur player. He's well known in the local area of Treviso. And he is very proactive in rugby in that area. He's also engaged in Rugby United since late 2014, managing three accounts over the socials. Rugby Italy, Rugby Treviso and Zebra. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much in the end. It's a pleasure. And uh, so thanks to, to having me. Uh, absolute pleasure here. And uh, this evening, I am very curious to share, to share with you what's happening around, uh, around uh, uh, rugby in Europe. And uh, it's a brand new um, news today that uh, we start from this uh, evening to watch live rugby. Okay, mm, due to the COVID uh, restrictions, just 1,000 uh, people are able to go to the stadium, but it's just a beginning, it's a good beginning, and I want to share these positive things with you today. It certainly is a positive, and that's what we want to see here in the UK as well, is to see rugby 
coming back again and in Ireland as well. Before we get any further, um, make sure that you have liked the page and that you get your thoughts in the comments as we go through the show. But there is something I want to bring to everyone's attention. It's about a guy called Matt Rattana, who was a police officer who's a head coach um, at East uh, Grinstead. And unfortunately, he passed away recently. Um, and there's a fantastic uh, award, BBC Unsung Hero. And I'd encourage anyone who loves rugby and loves the game and understands the importance of volunteers in rugby would head over to the link in the chat. I believe Joe has put it up in there and vote so we can try and pour a, a, a memory in place and a tribute to him. Uh, that in rugby we're fantastic at doing we support each other in rugby that's the beauty of rugby it brings people together and uh, this is something that we certainly want to do so it'll be linked in the chat um, for anyone who's watching please do go ahead follow that link read a little bit more about the story and uh, vote for him on BBC Unsung Hero we're first of all going to talk about the competition format. The format, of course, has been up in the air over the past uh, few weeks with a few South African teams being mentioned about coming in and coming out. And I was just interested to get everyone's thoughts on this one. Um, I, I'll i give my thoughts first and then people can disagree with me because, you know, that's be the beauty of rugby. We all have opinions and we're always right. So that's the beauty of, of, of rugby. And... I don't know what I feel about these South African teams. Of course, the Southern Kings are no more. They are not going to be in the Pro 14. Um, and we have the Cheetahs. And potentially, there were talks of four of the South African teams being added into it. But, of course, COVID restrictions, travelling restrictions is something that we're very aware of. We're aware of the issues that we face with that kind of thing. But I'm going to come, first of all, to John. I want to get your thoughts on the proposed idea of another South African team joining the league? Or would you be interested in seeing a team maybe somewhere from like Georgia coming in? Is that something we could look at? What, what do you think? Yeah, so I think we, we have to be very pragmatic, particularly in current times. Um, there's a lot of money comes in with the South African franchises, particularly if they are able to retain some of the world world cup winning talent that they currently have in their ranks, the the, the four super rugby teams that are proposed to be coming over to join us. Um and I think I think for the pro well, whatever number it is now, it can only be beneficial. Um the more the more teams that come over, the more challenging games that clubs have, you know, teams teams just now there there, there can be quite a quite a spread, particularly when the Southern Kings were in the league, there was quite a spread of you know, you could maybe put out a second, third, sometimes in Leinster's case, a fourth team for that that game, whereas you know, obviously you're playing Leinster as close, as close to international rugby as you'll get really so having having these South African teams is only going to raise the profile of the league, it's only going to raise the quality that all the players are facing and from a Scots perspective that's brilliant for our two clubs, giving guys more exposure to what is probably closer to international rugby. So, money, 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 and talent uh, speaks to me. Um, it's a shame for places like Georgia. Obviously, there is money in Georgian rugby, but you know it's it's too big a risk in this current climate, and I don't think CVC would go for it. Mm. Yeah, and I think what you say, money is going to be a massive issue in whatever happens here. And I actually think the Cheetahs have done okay on the whole. Yeah. The Southern Kings, being honest, were pretty poor. 
And as you said, you know, obviously Leinster will get to them later when we speak to Stephen more about them. But they were up here. They are miles apart. Uh, no losses last season. Incredible season. And, you know, we'll get into our predictions later, but we could see something quite similar. And Fian, what do you think about this from a Welsh perspective? Do you welcome the idea of more South African teams? Well, I know you've got your dragon shirt on today, but um, it was the Southern Kings who kept offering off the bottom of the conference last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, again, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's um, it, it depends. You know, we know because of lockdown that the um, any South African teams are not likely to come in until um, probably after Christmas now. And then, but will they be part of the league? Because will there be time for everyone to play um, more than one, you know, each one more than once? Uh, I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, in terms of the principle of extending um, the competition, I'm, I'm quite happy because um, I, I totally agree with John. You know, it's it sort of, um, it can it can actually up a game and it brings, um, it can do the, the um, if the standard is high, it, it, it can stretch um, our regional teams in, in Wales. And, and I think that's what they need is some really good um, high-class competition. Um, you know, just looking from outside the, the Pro 14, watching um, Leinster Saracens, that was a <laughs> game and a half, wasn't it? You know, and I think that's what, that's what the Welsh regions um, certainly need is, is being pushed and stretched. Absolutely. And of course, there has been talk. Um, I saw the Dragons chairman, I believe, come out a few weeks ago and talk about the idea of a British and Irish league. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we can well, get into We've actually been shouting for that for so many years now. It's, yeah, it's not going to happen, eh? It always, it always stumbles at the money, doesn't it? Because um, is it, you can't expect everyone to be getting the same sort of um, revenues and um, and the English are going, always going to be in the driving seat on that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not, to say, not to say that we shouldn't be playing the English teams because the Premiership teams, you know, again, that's that's what our guys need week in, week out. It's that sort of level of um, of rugby, and I and I think um, you know it'd be great. But I, I totally agree with you. The rest of you guys, you know, it's just a long way away. Mm. Exactly. Uh, Andrea, do you fancy a, a few more trips to South Africa? Do you fancy jumping on a plane to uh, a few nice places in South Africa next season? Oh, Andrea is muted. <laughs> That's how much he fancies a trip yeah. to South Africa. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Sorry, Andrea. Are no, you right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just uh, want to tell you that uh, I wish to go to South Africa because a part of my family is there, my relatives live there, and uh, we just have to look at the other side of, of, uh, of the story because uh, actually the Pro 14 is boosting a lot of young generation to get in rugby and uh, I hope that everybody knows well what is rugby, what are the values, and in that part of uh, of the of the Africa, they feel very positive if uh, the, the 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 play continues to be there. Actually, okay, the COVID just cancelled. Also, I can't uh, have uh, some South African relatives uh, next Christmas because there's for sure no fly. 
for and to back there. But the next season could be very, very interesting because I heard that maybe two more South African teams get in the World 14. I hope so. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. The four teams that have been mentioned are the Bulls, the Sharks, the Stormers and the Lions. Those are the four teams that have been proposed. Um, Stephen, from an Irish perspective, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with I agree with John. A lot of uh, things he said there. I think a lot of it is money based. Unfortunately, with I, I don't want to say the C word, the, the COVID, but the pandemic that we've had this year, cash is tight for everybody. So it's a case of you know we all feel bad for the cheetahs and the Southern Kings. Obviously, in a perfect world, this wouldn't be happening. But the way clubs are at the moment, they need cash. And I think I think Leinster would have benefited this year before that Saracens game, playing a few more tougher games than they did. They never got out of third gear in Pro 14 and. Unfortunately, that's not a switch you can just flick on and off. You need to build up to that sort of a game. So it's the same with Ulster. You know, Ulster came up against a buzzsaw of Toulouse, and it's because they just weren't used to playing that kind of caliber of team. And it's unfortunate in that sense. So I think, you know, people say it's not good for some teams to get in bet, you know, week in, week out, but it's one way of getting better is to play against these top teams and get into that level. And we saw how good super rugby caliber teams were in the Arturoa this year. Uh, and even Super Rugby AU for a while. So I think it's positive in the sense of how competitive it will be, but obviously it's it's disappointing for the, the Southern Kings and the Cheetahs. Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think, as we've all alluded, it is money. that That's the big driving force here, uh, unfortunately. But the season has started. We've had a few games. We're going to quickly whiz through them all now because I really want to focus on each individual team, give a bit of time to each team because there are fans of so many different teams going to be watching, want to hear about their side get our predictions for their team and people watching get your comments in what are your predictions for your team let's start with the friday night game quite a classic in italy zebra six cardiff blue 16 we'll go to andrea first um from an italian perspective how, how did you view this game a thousand fans allowed back in the stadium which is something we're very jealous of here in the uk and mm -hmm. um, what did you think of this game so, Brendan, um, I just want uh, to tell that that particular match was most important uh, for the entire sport uh, field, not only for the um, not only for the rugby, also for soccer, because actually we are we are trying to uh, base the rules of uh, sports and, and COVID, like you know better than me. And uh, uh, that one was the first match. And uh, about the Zagre against Cardiff, uh, it was very important uh, because not only for was the first match uh, for the entire tour tournament in Pro 14, also in Italy, the attention was very high for the COVID restriction. And uh, at the end, um, the, the team was playing not such well, but uh, the, the supporters has, uh, received a very good uh, uh, behavior for the new kind of rules to follow. And uh, a lot of people was very curious about it. The match was immediately corrupted by a yellow card caused by, by Mori. Mori is a pretty young player but uh, that um, yellow that gives you back immediately the high level of stress because of the that mistake was up not so bad but was very very uh, like a young player 
but uh, who tried Mori, who tried to reach Morgan, and uh, he he did during this jump. At the second alpha, the match wasn't so bad, but became the first red card of the tournament. And another time, another sign to give you back how is the stress, how was the stress there. Was uh, for the Welsh in the number eight, but Zebra wasn't able to earn this advantage, showing a match dedicated to the fans, ending uh, six uh, to 16 for Cardiff Blues. At the end, wasn't not such a good match for Zebra, but uh, uh, if you add that match, to the last one against Benetton, showing a Zebra team that is growing. Thanks, obviously, for the coach that is a, a, an English coach, and uh, also the team now is is growing. I'm very curious about the next match for for Zebra. Yeah, I um, I watched a bit of the game. I didn't think it was quite a classic, really. But the red card, we saw a lot of cards this weekend. Certainly red card, in my opinion, leading with the shoulder. Okay, the plate is going down a little bit. But, again, they've got to make an effort to tackle much lower than that. Uh, Rianne, from a Welsh uh, point of view, good result uh, for Cardiff's first game away. Yeah, and fair play. It was a game of Josh's, wasn't it? Josh Adams with his, with his try and Josh Turnbull coming off. Um, I think the wind um, was, was right. affecting um, the kicking game. Um, but I, I just thought that Cardiff, Cardiff couldn't be happier to win an away game, first game. Um, it, after last season, you know, they needed to start well, and I think um, they'll be pleased with that. Absolutely. Let's rush on to the next one, then Leinster against Dragons. Um, yeah, this was an interesting <laughs> one, wasn't it? Uh, from a Dragons point of view, from a Wales point of view, I thought Dragons in the first half just looked lackluster. Yes, Leinster were brilliant. They were very good. But it didn't seem like there was that much effort. They weren't getting up to the game. They weren't getting over the game line. They weren't. The line speed was shocking, in my opinion. It just felt like, not that they'd given up before kickoff, but there wasn't that desire um, to get forward. Um, Stephen, is this just something we expect from Leinster that they're going to win every single game this season? Poor old Dragons having to face them away first game of the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, look at Leinster are a well-oiled machine at this stage, but I think I think you're right. I think half the teams that go out to play Leinster are already beaten uh, before they even step on the pitch, and I'm including some of the provinces in that, um, especially the last few games against Munster. But look, Leinster are relentless. There's no there's no let up. You are constantly working as soon as you come on the pitch. Like the the third try went in in the twenty something minutes, and Dragons players looked exhausted. I don't I don't even know if it was effort. I think they just couldn't keep up with the ridiculous pace. The ball's being recycled so quickly by Gibson Park. Uh, you've got runners coming onto the ball, like Reese Ruddock, who is a monster of a man. Uh, it's great to see him back from an Irish perspective. But uh, even Jack, you know, your Jack Conan eight, your Reese Ruddock's at six. I don't want to be running into them boys constantly mm. uh, for 80 minutes. And it's just tough. Like they just, they, as I said before, they're relentless. They just don't give up. Even there was 10 minutes to go, the game was out of sight. You know, dragons were camped on their line for a good seven or eight minutes of that, and they just refused to like concede. It's, it's, uh, it's just a, it's a pure play thing at the moment. And uh, as you said, as I said before, I think a lot of teams are beaten, which is ironic because I think they have a mental block when it comes to Saracens, uh, Leinster is like the one team that they have. But um, when it comes to the Pro 14, yeah, I, I, I don't see 
who can actually really put it up to them at this moment in time. But I hope I'm wrong because I don't like seeing any team going unbeaten, uh, even if it is an Irish province. Uh, and Leinster just are, are that strong. And, you know, as John alluded to earlier on, they could put their probably their fourth team out and beat Southern Kings. And realistically, they could put their second or third team out against the Dragons. But by the end of the game, I actually, I, I'm sure Rian will agree with me and will add on to this. I was generally impressed by the Dragons' mentality, as Stephen just alluded to. And the Ashton Hewitt try at the end, oh, the finish, was really, really good. You know, he's been rumoured to be named in the Wales squad, which will be named tomorrow. Uh, that, that's been heavily rumoured. Um, some positive signs, Rian? Yeah, there was oh, there was a lot of creaking scrums and, you know, the, a lot of the set pieces didn't go their way. And, uh, and I think there's, there's been, you know, there's some really good players being signed to the Dragons, um, but they're not yet playing as a team. But what I will agree with you, um, there is towards the end of the game, we started seeing perhaps a bit of um, meshing and um, and hopefully, you know, it's um, it's a case of onward and upward because, to be honest, they, they've had the worst first. Um, and I think we'll probably, um, you know, the, the, the next time out, they're not going to have that Leinster stronghold. Um, you know, it's a bit of a fortress anyway. And I totally agree with um, Stephen. It's you're almost lost before you go unless you can really change that mentality. It's a bit like Wales playing in the Principality Stadium, isn't it? You know, you, you that that's their fortress. It's they need to to learn to play outside the, the Principality, and um, I think um, they need to play. Um, the Dragons need to be able to play outside Rodney Parade. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Jake uh, puts a really interesting comment up here. Dragons have one of the weakest front five out of the four regions. I think yeah. they need a very powerful... Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree. But yeah. I think the back line is looking very exciting in Tompkins. Yeah. You've got Jamie Roberts, who, although he's a little bit older, can still do a job, in my opinion. Sam Davis left the Ospreys, went to the Dragons and has done fairly yeah. well. Uh, Jonah Holmes... You, there's some decent players coming through there. Um, let's quickly move on to, in my opinion, one of the games of the weekend, Ulster against Benetton. What a game this was. Andrea sent me the highlights and I hadn't called it. And what a game this was. Andrea, back and forth all game, really. Um, Benetton, from their point of view, encouraging that they challenged last year's runners-up. Absolutely. Thanks, Brandon. Let me tell you that... Uh, the match of the last uh, last uh, weekend was great, absolutely, and remind me immediately another historical match because uh, if we cancel probably the last uh, uh, the last season the the nineteen twenty caused by COVID, but we remind about uh, eighteen and nineteen uh, season Benetton reached the highest point uh, in his career, won't. Uh, able to get the uh, semi-final against uh, Münster and uh, uh, was uh, one of the best moments. But uh, jump to the latest match, Ulster versus Benetton, it was a great match, like uh, confirmed, not uh, only because obviously I'm a, I'm a side of, but uh, tweeting live, uh, a lot of uh, reporters and a lot of supporters tell me that was a brilliant match. 
and uh, thanks to the rugby treviso twitter account uh, i get immediately the, the 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 connection with the real excitement uh, and was very high but uh, not only from the bennett side also from the ulster supporter size mm -hmm. when riccioni the prop uh, is, is a very young prop 20 years 23 years old 186 centimeters and uh, around 120, 120 kilos, had a badly injured, was a shock not only for the Italian supporter, but also for the Ulster, that immediately they tweeted me and they were worried, uh, they were sorry about, about him. So a remarkable, a remarkable moment was uh, before the end of the first half when uh, shock day, made a high tackle to Duvenage. Duvenage is not so a huge guy, but the tackle was bad. Giving a yellow card immediately for the Lions. Yes, we named it the Lions because the Lion is uh, um, the ancient symbol of the Venice Shire and now is also the Benetton Rugby logo. So in one made less, one made more, the Lions reached 21-21 at the end of the first half it was a, a very high high level for the uh, for the match then um, there were a lot of tries from both sides confirming the high level of fitness also from the teams from the teammates a good defense and a very confident moment of attacks served with a fluid speed declared that the last Ulster versus Benetton was one of the most exciting match of the Pro 14 history this is uh, the latest news that Riccioni, uh, the prop that I mentioned before, is not uh, badly injured, but uh, for sure has to recover for a long time. And I just think at the end of this month, on the 30th of October, there's Italy against England in Rome. Yeah, and that, that'll be very interesting uh, to see, but I was very encouraged. Uh, by Benetton's performance and Benetton have always they've nearly been there haven't they they've always nearly been there and um, it's going to be interesting to see how they can go this season uh, Stephen just a quick word on Ulster good start with a win yeah look if this game wasn't in Ulster Ulster would have lost this game I'm convinced of it but Ulster now have gone 22 games unbeaten in Belfast so they've met at a fortress um, and that's what they wanted to do and that's what they've done so no look Ulster are happy to get this game underway two pretty bad performances when it comes to Pro 14 final and then against Toulouse they never kind of got up to speed or I think just come up against a, a teams that were just a class above but Ulster had a good young team out so I think they'll take a lot of uh, you know positives from this you know you've got Hume uh, Stuart Moore uh, scored a lovely try so even you know Mike Lowry uh, you had John Cooney who looked a bit more back to his kind of his best you had no Billy Burns either so uh, you know, a lot of positives to take from Ulster. They wanted to get the season started pretty quickly, I'd imagine, and they have done in the right kind of way. So uh, I, I only upwards and onwards for Ulster, I think. Absolutely. Now we're going to move on to uh, my team, the Ospreys, and you're probably wondering why I'm wearing a Dragon shirt. Please don't kill me. I, I swear I'm an Ospreys fan. Um, I just simply couldn't find my Ospreys shirt. I am an Ospreys fan. Uh, and we got a win. And we, we haven't had many of them in the last 18 months. We've only won two out of uh, 20 games in the last 18 months. So we got a win, which is quite impressive, against Edinburgh. Uh, John, you've been sitting very quietly, uh, but your thoughts on this one, <laughs> Edinburgh just weren't at the races, were they? 
No, I think uh, I think someone must have told Richard Cockrell and his boys that the the uh, the off season was a, a week longer than it actually was. Um, Edinburgh. They, they had a couple of their a couple of their sort of big names were out injured. You know, missing Bill Mata, uh, Duhan Man Van der Merwe. Uh, Jamie Ritchie uh, had been stood down for COVID protocol as well, but there's no excuse. The the performance Edinburgh put out was reminiscent of the dark old days before the South African teams came in, when Edinburgh were um, fighting with the Italian guys for the you know they were lucky to finish sixth and they're uh, finishing the sort of the the bottom two. You know it was it was so bad from Edinburgh. Um, I think you know the Ospreys done a professional performance. You know, obviously you had a couple of the the big names out for the Ospreys as well. Alan Jones making you know the lesser spotted uh, AWJ making a, an appearance for the Ospreys. It's you know it's like hen's teeth. Um, so, but it was good. It was good to see, and they put them away. And I mean, the only the only thing for the Ospreys maybe would be you would be really disappointed to not get a bonus point there. Given how bad Edinburgh were, given the given the position you were in with, you know, fifteen twenty minutes to go, you would really be looking to to take a bonus point away. Uh, you'll not get many days like that at Murrayfield when Edinburgh are as bad as that. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit disappointing to see. And uh, there's a lot of chat up here about you know Edinburgh have obviously got to got to the playoff stages last year. They've they've made progress under Cockrell, but this is a big big season for them. They really need to move forward, and maybe the COVID situation is not going to support that necessarily. So, yeah, yeah and it's, I thought it's going from to be point of view, as you said, it's a professional job. I think it was good to see the likes of Reese Webb playing, uh, Alan Wynn playing. Uh, it was good to see them types of players playing, uh, and to get a win, you know, that's the big thing for me. Like bonus point would have been nice, but to get the win, and. You know, in the first five minutes, it was quite even. And then the Ospreys started pretty well, getting good front ball going forward. And I thought, no, 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 don't, don't tease me like this. I can't do it. But we held on <laughs> to the win. We'll quickly go through the two other fixtures because I am aware of uh, time. Scarlet's 27, Munster 30. What a game uh, this was. Scarlet's were 24-10 up at one point and let it slip. But Lee Halfpenny had an incredible game. Kicking, I think, nine kicks successfully incredible um omani got a uh, got, got a second yellow um for sliding in unnecessarily just who knows why um and then the other game a fantastic game bundiaki pretty much running the show for connor winning that one 28 24 so get your thoughts in the comments uh, about this weekend's uh, games we are now going to move on to look at some more specific teams and we're going to look at them in detail so first of all we're going to take a look at the Irish provinces. So I'm going to have a chat with Stephen about that and we'll see the other three guests in just a second. So if Joe will drop them out, we'll have a chat with Stephen just about that. We'll first of all talk about, as they jump out, there we go. Perfect. There we are, the Irishman and the Welshman. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Walk into a bar. Good joke. <laughs> perfect joke. Let's talk about last season's champions, Leinster. Um, for me personally, I think it's inevitable that they're going to do the same again. The only concern from this weekend's games, you'd say maybe Sexton, but Leo Cullen has recently come out and said it was a precaution. He's okay, just taking him off just in case. Last season, of course, were champions, unbeaten all season. Um, 
same again this season, Stephen. Yeah, look, I've seen a lot of uh, people online after the Saracens defeat being like, you know, this is not good. We need to sign a couple of internationals or sign a couple of players. And it's like, you know, Leinster come up against the one team in the world, like, well, not the world, but one team in Europe that really is a bad matchup for them. You know, it's the one team that can, you know, they're too physical for them. They can get underneath their skin. They can slow them down. It's just a bad matchup. You know, if, if Leinster had got drawn the other side of the of the you know the quarterfinals or the semifinals they could still be in the final and we would be talking about them getting their fifth star on their jersey you know so i wouldn't go panicking you're getting dan levy back and tyke furlong back uh tyke furlong obviously later than expected uh, another injury but that's like signing two internationals there you know what i mean because you haven't had them in so long so they're they're still in fantastic shape they're they're a, a machine that just doesn't seem to want to stop. They, they started Johnny Sexton the other day. I didn't think they would start him. I thought they might keep him on ice for another bit. Look, as an Irishman, I, I I think it's time for Johnny Sexton to move on, especially when it comes to the international stage. I think we need to kind of give space for your Ross Burns. By all accounts, from my Leinster kind of uh, fans or Leinster uh, supporters, Harry Byrne, the younger brother, is actually the real one to, to watch out for. But it's a case of how long are they willing to wait when Johnny Sexton eventually bows out on this? So he's still look, he's still producing at a decent level, but when it comes to when you're playing against the Saracens, when you're playing against a Racing 92, is it going to be enough? But they're still in fantastic shape. They probably will. I don't know if they'll go unbeaten. It's, uh, going unbeaten two years in a row is extremely difficult. You're going to have one bad night, but they just have so many players they can plug in that it doesn't really make a difference if someone is having a bad night. Yeah, and I think there was quite a bit of discussion in Ireland, especially when Sexton was announced as the captain of Ireland at 33 years old, I believe, um, injury-prone. And there are players, as you said, such as Ross Byrne coming through, Joey Carberry uh, um, and Munster as well. And let's talk about Munster. Um, Make some decent signings. South African centre, of course, coming in. Uh, What are the prospects? What is the realistic... um, what, what are they trying to achieve this season? What can we expect from them? I'm not too high on Munster, I'll be honest with you. I watched that game the weekend and I know it, it looked by the score that it was a cracking game, but for 75 minutes, it was just muck. It was awful. No, neither team looked like they could break through either of the defences. Um, you know, Munster, obviously, we're all disappointed when Orgy Snyman went down because he brought such a, a different dynamic to that team and a winning culture, obviously, just coming off the World Cup win and Dalenda has been very good and he's he's powerful and he's exactly kind of what they wanted, but they just don't seem to I don't know if it's not a case of backing themselves going forward. Um look at people give them a bad rap for kicking the ball too much in box kicks. It's not that they're kicking that much. They kicked actually nearly half as uh half as much as uh Scarlet's mm-hmm. other night. It's when they're kicking and how they're kicking. It's just it's a strange they're in the twenty-two of Scarlet's other night and they put up a box kick. And like I get it, Conway's chasing, he's good in the air, you know, they might have seen an opportunity there, but it screams to me that they just don't back themselves in it when it comes to plays. Like the, the, the try they scored against Scarlett's other night, the first try, it came off a broken play, it was a bad clearance, it was almost as if they forgot that they were in the system and they were like, okay, we let's just run with it. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like the, it was a broken system, broken play and they were like, okay, let's just create something ourselves here. And they could, they still have great players. Um, but... Stephen Larkham's down there as one of the senior coaches, and I can't imagine that that's what he's trying to instill into this team. I maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't see it. They're in a strange spot. They they're the least enjoyable to watch of the four provinces, and by a country mile at this stage, because they just 
have nothing going. They going forward, they just don't seem confident. Uh, defensively, they were fine. The discipline was definitely an issue of the day, but the referee was uh, giving a lot of soft penalties in a lot of ways. But still, they knew ten minutes into that game, these penalties are soft, and they still gave them away. So a team as experienced that shouldn't be doing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong because I'm a big Munster fan in, in sense of the the history and what they bring to the competition. Uh, but at the moment, the way they're going with it, it's I don't see them doing too well. I, I'm a big fan of Munster as well. Being mm. to their stadium, I think it's one of the best in the league. Um, and what I don't know if it still happens now, but whenever someone would kick, pin drop, it'd be an yeah. absolute up there and yeah. uh, that was something I really enjoyed and yeah they've got as you said they've got some good players you know yeah. they've got some good players and they should be doing better um Ulster last season of course finalists Cooney mm. at scrum half should it be starting over Conor Murray that's another question uh, to get <laughs> uh, how long do you have on, how long do you have on that we can talk about hours <laughs> on that <laughs> yeah and but you know he did okay in the Six Nations but John Cooney was the form scrum half can mm. he lead Ulster to another final, or is there even any point getting to a final because of Leinster? Look, there's always a point to get to a final. It's, it's you know, when you look back, it's it's a morale booster. But yeah, look, this team is Cooney's team in a lot of ways because he's the star man. And um, he had a rough when he came back from the the, the, the COVID break. He he didn't get up to the the speeds he was beforehand because beforehand he was the best player in Europe, uh, and I don't think it was close. But also a young team here. They've got some really good young players coming through, and they, they. I think their time is probably in a year or two from now. You've got some good pieces there with Cooney. You know, the, uh, the, the additions of Albie Matchison and uh, and Ian Madigan, I think, is great because when you take off your Cooney's uh, and your your Billy Burns's, you're bringing on a great experience there. You know, you've got a scrum half with I think five or six all back caps, and obviously Madigan has played with Leinster and uh, in in England as well. So. That's not a bad way to see out the last 20, 15 minutes of a game. I think that they, they're they definitely not at the class yet of a Leinster or when it comes to Europe, the, the, the top boys. They're not just there yet, but by God, they've got some great pieces to work on. Uh, you know, Hume there is your centre and that Stuart Moore guy coming through there. They're two powerful young lads who are hungry and so far have shown everything that they needed to do to become great players. So um, I still have issues with Stockdale defensively. Uh, I think he's great in the air. I think he's great, big, strong, powerful runner. But there's been too many times where we've said, God, his positioning was there, was terrible when it comes to a tackle. He's let that lad go through too easily, too quickly. And it doesn't seem to be improving. So I, I think they need to they need to kind of tighten up a few things. You know, they're great in patches and then they're quite sloppy in patches. We've seen that at the weekend with Benetton. They let them kind of run all over them there in, in the last 10 minutes of the first half. Whereas a good team like Leinster would just tighten up, get the half time. Uh, and kill all the momentum. So they still need the that kind of the next step. But by God, they they have all the pieces to do it. Absolutely, and they were a really exciting team uh, to watch last season. Let's move on to the final province. Connacht got a really good win against Glasgow. Glasgow, you know, over the past few years have been very consistent in the Pro 14. What can we expect from them this season? Can they push for them playoff places? Can they challenge? Yeah, Connacht are really exciting to watch, actually. I, I watched the game uh, live the other day, and they are, like, going forward, they are fantastic. The problem with Connacht is, and Ulster are similar in that sense, It's their starting 15 is very good. But if they lose any of those key players through injury, that's when I feel the, the depth isn't quite there. Uh, Bundyaki is in incredible form. I think he's the most mm. informed Irish player at the moment, and he's 
knocking on Warren Gatlin's door for that 12 jersey when it comes to a Lions, and I don't see why not. He's got the physicality. He's an absolute leader of men. There's a great video going around on Twitter. I don't know if, if you guys yeah. have seen it, but you know he's off the field. He's substituted off, and he's just shouting and barking orders at everyone. And you know he lives for it. So um, they're good. they're great going forward. They've added, added a couple of nice pieces there. You know Alex Wooten, uh, Peter Sullivan. They they've come in and kind of contributed straight away. Uh, they've Abraham Papali'i, who is an absolute monster of a man. We've seen him for. Well, briefly, 20 minutes against Munster when he got sent off for a high tackle on, on Murray. But that's the kind of player he is. He comes in, he lives on the edge, but he is a monster. And I think he's going to be, between him and Bundy, I wouldn't like to be playing Connacht too often. But definitely play, pushing for playoff. Once they get a bit of injury luck, the last few years they haven't gotten that luck. So they're due a year. Uh, but definitely exciting to watch. Again, need to tighten up small little areas. Uh, at the weekend there, th there was a couple of gaps defensively where they, they'll need to close that up. But if they do that, they are not a fun team to play against. And Galway and the sports grounds, like Ulster, like Belfast, has become a bit of a fortress and they want to keep it that way. So uh, positive things about Connacht, I think that they going forward, again, have all the pieces to do what they need to do. It's a case of just keeping everyone healthy and fit and hopefully they do. Absolutely. So Leinster to win the league, I guess that's the main thing here. But the four teams, I think, are in a good place. Most of them, maybe Munster not, are in a good place uh, to challenge and to push. We're now going to bring everyone back in. I'm going to chat about the Italian sides. Welcome everyone back into the stream. I thought that was a really interesting chat about the Irish sides. Let's talk about the Italian sides. Two teams from Italy in this year's competition. Of course, we have Zebra and we have Benetton. Let's talk about Benetton, first of all, Andrea. Uh, what are the expectations for this season? What can we really expect from them? Okay, thanks, Brandon. Uh, like I mentioned before, uh, I would like to spend some moment to remember the highest historical level of Benetton rugby because we have we need to start from there because uh, mm, Benetton and Zibere are the front side of uh, the the, the rugby Italian federation that is very is very complicated to understand and if you want to chat together at the same level of yours guys because let me tell you this broadcast is great thanks to you and uh, we had to focus on that moment it was the 4th of May 2019 in Limerick at Thomond Park in front of 10,000 rugby supporters and not uh, even at the Red Army and you know what I mean for that very important match, the referee was Mr. Nigel Owens. 15 and 13 was the final score. But we won. Benetton doesn't want the match. Want the possibility to enter in. At the semi-final was another and was a new state of mind for the rugby uh, supporter, for the rugby environment. We just get that. Because Benetton and Zebra at the old set, Celtic League, uh, they are since 2010 and recently confirmed for more four years. And uh, I want to be focused on that moment uh, because uh, actually that moment earned the last uh, um, the last match or the level of the last match. I just want to broadcast with you the highlight that I send right, right now. Here we go. Perfect. And uh, pass to the uh, past, and we step to the future with the present. What I can notice from the beginning of this uh, short season, the 
short beginning, is a very high um, high desire of uh, the professionals, but not only for the player, also for the manager, and also for all the person around, like the marketing teams that I am very good connected. From both teams, Benetton and Zebra, they are trying to let the younger players to do more and more. So Michael Bradley, then Kian Crowley, the head manager, coming from a very good career. And they are working very good, building uh, very competitive, not only teams, but environment. It means uh, all the person that are working with the team. If a Benetton has reached a good level, like they show it last uh, real season, 2018, 2019, cancelling the last because of the COVID. We are all waiting for Zebra because they are able to beat Benetton and more other squad of the Pro 14. Absolutely. And I think Benetton are going to be the front runner. We've got to be honest, they are going to be the front runner in this one. Uh, but Zebra have some good players as well. And yeah, it, it'll take some time. But, you know, again, 1,000 fans back in the stadium is really encouraging. And let's talk Scottish rugby now then, John. Um, you know, as an Ospreys fan, I don't have to remind you what happened on the weekend. I've already done that a couple of times today. But let, let's start with Edinburgh then. Last season, very, very encouraging. Uh, this season, more of the same, do you believe? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think... Um, no, I see, I see Edinburgh... Uh, last season was a, a real high point for Edinburgh, and I think that the there was a, a number of circumstances came together to make uh, it possible for Edinburgh to go as far as they did. Uh, obviously, they were playing in the Challenge Cup um, and got to the quarterfinal as that of that as well. Um, it should be remembered as well when the season was kind of brought to an end, they did have some quite difficult games left to play, and you know. The chances are they would have still made the playoffs. Would they have made uh, directly to the semi-finals? Possibly not. Would they have got quarter home quarter? Maybe, maybe not even. So it came together that I think this season will be remembered as being better than it perhaps actually was for Edinburgh. And there's another element at play here. Edinburgh have kind of flown under the radar because they've been poor for many, many years um, before Richard Cockrell arrived. A lot of these players, the talented players though they are, um, I've kind of flown under the radar and you're starting to see now in this uh, post-pandemic post uh, world of rugby where we maybe don't quite have the same level of finance available, everyone's going to be looking for a bargain. And if you're looking for a bargain, you come to Scotland. <laughs> you come north and you see who you can find. Um, so I'm quite concerned that a few of their players may find themselves getting cherry-picked um, by some of the bigger teams in Europe. And there's no depth for Edinburgh. You know, we've, they've got one, one professional-level standoff and then they're relying on a first-year rookie who has now got one-and-a-half professional games under their belt um, not trusted by Cockrell in the slightest it was meant to be uh, Jonah uh, 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 Lance was meant to have signed but there was visa issues so but there's no money to replace uh, that now so Edinburgh are they're, they're in a bit of a situation 
they'll they'll do well up front. They always they've got a strong strong forward pack. They always look look the part there. Their back row is they've got about seven thousand back rows over there just now, which um, us on the other side of the M8 are looking over a bit enviously at some of those. But they're a limited side, and they will possibly get found out this season. Mm, yeah, and I think Edinburgh are showing, you know, from last season that they did do well. But the challenge then is to continue that into this season. They have fantastic players such as Hamish Watson, who I believe, you know, is probably one of the most underrated in the world in his position. Yeah. I, I just think he's absolutely brilliant. And let's move on to Glasgow Warriors. Didn't have the greatest start to the season, but over the past few years have been pretty consistent on the whole. Up there challenging, but... Recently, over the past couple of years, I've lost the, the likes of Finn Russell, but Richie Gray has come back to Scotland. Um, what, what's the expectation for Glasgow? Can they get back to the days where they won the league? Can they challenge at the top once again? So that's two very different questions. Can they challenge at the top? Absolutely. Can they win the league? No. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, the chat with, with Stephen probably... Um, probably confirmed that as well you know no one no one else is going to win the league uh, unless Leinster decides so um which is a shame but they certainly can be pushing at the top you know obviously we've got a new coach in this season Danny Wilson's come in uh, from the Scottish setup um replacing Dave Rennie who's moved on to Australia um there's the the end of the Dave Rennie era sort of petered out last season. The, we'd started really badly just uh, when just at the, when the World Cup ended. We'd uh, four losses in a row, um, which for Glasgow's pretty unheard of in recent times. Um, there seemed to be a real lethargy about the squad last season, um, which we've now lost a couple of the bigger names again. It seems to be a, a sort of annual thing happening at Glasgow. We see the big names moving on. However, this, as you rightly say, Richie Gray's come back. We've, we've recruited relatively well. Um, people seem to have forgotten that we obviously brought back Leonie Nakarawa uh, in January, who former World Player of the Year. Um, his first game back, um, he had scored a try within a minute. And um, Glasgow's offload uh, numbers went through the roof. Um, so he'll be a good addition to, to the squad. We'll not see him till December due to various issues. But um, yeah, we've, we've recruited well. And I think Glasgow have got to be targeting um, playoffs again. The issue we have, however, is we do not actually have a professional level fullback um, at Glasgow at all. We've now got Hugh Jones playing fullback, who was one of the best thirteens in the world uh, as recently as a couple of seasons ago, and he's now covering fullback for us. So again, some issues there, but we we will we will see. He's looking the part anyway at the moment. So. And finally, uh, I just want to get your thoughts on how the squad will be impacted over the season when the players are called up to the national side. Do you think that will have a massive impact side, something we see across the league? Is that really going to affect both sides? Yeah, it absolutely does. And again, it's it's, it's pure numbers, isn't it? You know, the Scottish, the Scottish national team is generally, we don't necessarily have that many players playing abroad. And I know obviously the Welsh and the Irish have their have their their own ways of controlling that, but you know we we don't have as uh, strict a rule on it. We just don't have as many players playing abroad. Um, 
but we do only have two regions and the you know the, the, the raw numbers are Glasgow and Edinburgh tend to lose around sixteen players each. Glasgow have lost as many as twenty-six uh to, to Six Nations squads. So there's there's no there's one team in the pro fourteen slash twelve that can cope with that. There's not many others that can. Um and Glasgow always have to really work hard during these international windows and obviously with it being extended this year it's going to be very difficult but we often find that in in times of adversity you you maybe see the odd gem coming through and it's great to see the young academy guys getting game time and who knows you might just find the you know the next Stuart Hogg the next Finn Russell from those young lads that are coming th- coming out of the academy and getting their first taste of professional rugby, they've all got to start somewhere. And you know what better uh, way for them to maybe get their first experience than uh, in in these circumstances? So uh, look forward to it. Yeah, having a game against the Dragons on a cold, wet night at Murrayfield is exactly what I would love to do as a young professional rugby player when it's freezing cold outside. <laughs> Scott Scott's doing for us, mate. It's it's even it's even colder and wetter over here. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I remember sitting in the stand recently. Uh, recently, is, was it last season? Maybe last season. Uh, it was one of the Italian teams we were playing, and I have never been as cold as this. Um, it got to the point where Dougie Vipond, who does the the Pro Fourteen coverage uh, for Premier Sports, he was I was I was up in the press box, and he walked past me. And I must have looked like I was on my last legs because he, he, he decided he had to go and get me a coffee because um, I looked like I was about to perish. It was brutally cold. <laughs> That's great. Uh, the final nation to look at is Wales. We, we wouldn't would be doing it properly if we didn't cover Wales as the Welsh Rugby Roundup show. Brian, what are we thinking about the Welsh round, uh, about the Welsh regions? First of all, let's talk about your team, the Dragons. Encouraging signs over the past few months. Um, good signings coming in. What is the realistic expectation for this season from the Dragons? Well, they finished fifth last year in Conference A, and um, some of the new signings are really impressive. Um, John Holmes, Nick Tompkins, and of course, Dr. Jamie Roberts. And um, I know we've, uh, we've had a bit of offline chat about whether Jamie's too old, but I think. He's uh, he, he's one of these sort of linchpins and can manage a game. So um, I think that's a really positive signing for the Dragons. They've yet to fulfil the promise they've got on paper. And um, it was a bit worrying to see um, some of the, the, the creaking scrums uh, uh, in their first game. And um, as we said earlier, they did improve towards the end of the game, and um, and hopefully they'll go uh, go forward. You know, you, you put Leinster, you put the Leinster uh, match um, to bed, but I would like to see them gel more as a team. I'm not seeing, I'm seeing lots of good individual plays. Mor- Moriarty took some big hits, um, but I just want to see um, them gel more as a team. So um, that's what I'm taking. And, you know, Ashton Hewitt, sublime try, amazing guy. Absolutely. He's done so much, uh, not just for rugby, but for society, you know, with with everything that he's been talking about recently. And it's so important that that conversation is had. Uh, Let's talk about the Ospreys quickly. I am aware of time. Uh, Ospreys 
of course, oh, a win. Yeah. Our first win. I couldn't believe it. We we actually won. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Say, you know, you the seventh last year, and um, you know, we've already uh, mentioned that so that was thanks thanks to the South Africans. Um, they can only go up, and um, what they've got to do at the moment now, though, is is get their wins in while the international guys are still playing, because they lose a chunk of players once the international season comes. So they really need to be putting their, um, um, you know, the scores on the doors and and getting their points in now, because um, you know you, you you're talking Anscombe, Alan Jones, Tips, Webb. You know they're all they're all going to be in that. Welsh squad, so uh, probably off on international duty. So the important thing for the Ospreys is to keep up the momentum and um, and, and and you know just keep going the way they are. They, you know you've got to play every game, you've got to win every game, and and, and again you know um, there's some there's some young players coming up. They need blooding, and um, and hopefully, well, I can't see the Ospreys doing worse than they did last year. And then they look they look different. And then um, I, I, <laughs> I think, I think uh, hopefully they're refinding, refinding form. Yeah, and uh, I think the hope for us this season is to push for them playoffs. It might be a bit too soon, but I think we've got to aim for that. Uh, Cardiff Blues starting with a win. Josh Adams starting scoring tries as he always does. Exciting uh, fly half for Jared Evans. What's the expectation this season? Um. The thing with the Blues is they're up and down, aren't they? You know, they they, they blow hot and cold. Um, I think um, they've got the probably the the coach John Mullyhill is probably the the one the coach has been there the longest now of the the, the Welsh region. So hopefully he's bedded in, and the way you know he wants to uh, to play has um, has started to make their mark. So. Um, I and hope he'll be hoping that they won't have the injuries they had last year because I think you you know if you look at their injury list from last year they they were missing some top players for a long time and, and large chunks of the season. Um, they've signed Corey Hill and and Reece Khan and um, you know that's that's a real solid two um, additions. Um, Nick Williams retiring means that they lack a big carrier now, although I, I have all faith in Navigi. I think, um, you know, he'll step up to the plate and he's probably, I I, I believe that Josh is one of their best best players anyway. Um, and, well, you know, more than capable of, of hitting and carrying. So I'm, I, I'm quite, I'm quite optimistic for the Blues, to be honest. I think um, that... Uh, if they can keep, you know, if the injuries, uh, their injury list, they can keep that down, then um, they've, they've got as good chances as any. Um, they came sixth uh, last yeah. year. I see them finishing higher than that this year. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. Willis Halaholo is back from injury. I'm very, very briefly asked chat about the Scarlets losing on the first day, but always been there or thereabouts. Uh, yeah. What can we expect from them? They were third last year yeah, and um, were the best. Welsh region by far, and uh, they'll be looking to, to, to build on this. Um, yeah, they lost to Munster, and that was that wasn't a particularly uh, inspiring game. Um, if 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 half penny hadn't been on the pitch, it would have been an absolute. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, look out for Sam Castello. He shone in the under twenty six nations, and um, hopefully that he'll make his mark. Um, 
with the the Scarlets this year. I I think Scarlets will improve. I I I I think they need a bit of a kick up there, Jaxie. And um, again, it's a bit like the Dragons. They need to just settle down and play as a team. Um, Absolutely, and I, yeah, I think the Scarlets will be there thereabouts and probably be the strongest uh, Welsh region. Finally, guys, I pretty much know what you're going to say, but I'll come round one of you at a time and ask you for your champion this year. Stephen, your champion is going to be? I, I, I hate to be boring. Um, <laughs> I'd love to pick someone else, but unfortunately, I think it's... Uh, you know the the Leinster. Unfortunately, I think they're just too part. They're just too deep. Unfortunately, I, I but I hope I would love. Is there a dark that. horse we should keep an eye on? Um, I don't. It's it's tough. Uh, oh God, if Munster get their act together, I think they can actually compete because defensively they look pretty good. But I they need to really change it around. Um, I think Scarlets weren't as bad as they looked the other day. Um, unless Lee Halfpenny just literally wants to kick 10 penalties a game, that might work. Uh, that could work, but it's tough. It's It really is tough to pick yeah. kind of John, a, a dark uh, horse. champion for you, and is there a dark horse we should be watching this season? Yeah, so uh, much the same. Cha- the champion will be Leinster. There's no doubt about that in, in anyone's eyes. It would take um, catastrophic collapse mm. of untold proportions for uh for for Leinster to not end the season as champions i think i think in terms of dark horses it it's one of those seasons challenge the challenge could come from anywhere again we're, we're hopeful up here that we would see you know maybe one or both of our teams challenging the you know you might you might have the Ospreys the Scarlets are a decent side. Um, I hate saying this, but Munster, you know, as you say, if they get the act together, um, it just takes a run of run of games. But again, it's back to that point. It'll be who manages the international windows best uh, that will kind of determine who's there or thereabouts. Um, so yeah, I mean. Yeah. Could be, could be anything. It's mental. Absolutely. Mental Andrea, um, who's going to be your champion, and which team should we be looking out for? Who may surprise us a little bit this season? Ah, for sure, is not Leinster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, absolutely, Leinster is a, a, a sort of New Zealand for the Europe side of the world. Everybody knows. Also, Leinster is a kind of uh, situation to to follow, and uh, Benetton just proved it because uh, today we just uh, able we are able to count 50, 50 mm-hmm. different uh, teammates. That uh, it is a kind of Leinster model. Okay, for uh, this season, and uh, the biggest surprise could be the the, the minority, like uh, for instance uh, Zebra. And uh, here we got a saying here in Italy, and they say the bigger is and more noise it makes when it falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yes, we have a similar one. <laughs> we can all hope, right. can't we? Yeah. Uh, champions. Um, yeah. Leinster, yeah? It, 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 it'll probably be Leinster. I'd like to see Scarlet's there and there about. And, of course, the Dragons are going to be the dark horses, and they're going to come in and take a lot. Exactly. There we go, though. Thank you like so it. much to our guests for this week's show. Just one quick thing to plug for you guys. The next live show is this coming Wednesday, uh, half past eight. 
and it is with Rugby Academy Ireland. It's the Women's Rugby Initiative and why coaching has to be different. So you can find it on the Three Blokes page. Here, make sure you like the page, the Welsh Rugby Roundup Show. We're going to be putting content out regularly and every month we'll have a roundup. We'll talk about everything to do about Welsh Rugby. But I've got to thank our guests, Stephen, John, Andrea, and of course, Rianne. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for watching. I hope you've enjoyed it. And yeah. we'll see you again very, very soon here on Three Blokes and the Welsh Rugby Roundup Show. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, all. Thank you.